absolute honor to to officiate the funeral ceremony for the pastor that Miss Pam and I grew up sitting underneath his ministry. His name was Dr. Larry Shelton. He preached at Ridge's uh, service where he was licensed into ministry. Ridge and a buddy of his will be down from Southeastern Baptist Seminary next week to help us with our pumpkin and praise fest. In fact, Nick Thurston Howe III will be in the pulpit next week uh, preaching for us. But I remember preaching for, uh, I remember sitting underneath Brother Larry as a kid, and I remember going home so many Sundays scared to death because he was talking about the end of the world and what we can expect as, as the end time uh, landscape comes closer to us. And he, everything that dude said had come true, man. I remember him telling me about how there would be a breakdown of the family, there would be a breakdown of of social norms with gender and things like that. He told us about a one world economy. He told us about a cashless society. He told us about all these things. And, and man, they're true. Every single one of them have come to pass in my lifetime. Uh, the thing that I, I didn't anticipate was just the sheer amount of vitriol and hate that this culture and society has towards anything that has to do with God or the Bible or the church or the people of God. Uh, and even, even popular culture has this thing that Christians feel because Christians tend to feel like, like we are persecuted, like our opinions are you know, kind of poo-pooed by society. Uh, we hold to certain values and morals and principles that derive from the Word of God, but when we try to stand on those, man, the, the culture doesn't want to hear it. They're, in fact, they're angry about it. They're, they're ticked off at us for the views that we have. So we live in a world that's really anti anti-church, anti-gospel, anti-anything to do with God. Uh, the text that I'm going to show you, the Apostle Paul is talking to a very early church, and they're surrounded in a very similar culture that you and I find ourselves in. The city is called Ephesus, and they were known for kind of being like a cult community. Their big, their big money-making church there in that town was called the Temple of Artemis. Uh, it was where you would go, you'd sacrifice animals, you'd get involved in some weird, freaky stuff, and then you'd go home. Uh, when the church came to Ephesus, there was a small group of people there who just heard the message that Jesus is the way to God. He died on the cross, and he wants to live in you through the Holy Spirit, and he wants to revolutionize and radically change your life. There was a group of people who bought that, they believed that, and then they were released into Ephesus. They were released into their culture. That made the culture mad, because this is what happened. When people would hear the message of Jesus, they would, they would get saved, and then they would stop going to the temple, the temple of Artemis. Well, if you don't have that many people going to the temple anymore, you lose money. Uh, your security guards, they get laid off. The people who are selling food there, vendors, well, there's not enough people there uh, to support their families. So the town kind of gets ticked off of the church because, you know, you're taking all of our people. Uh, the church didn't go along with the uh, uh, Greco-Roman uh, thing of worshiping the emperor. 
so the church was saying, dude, we're not going to worship some king. You're crazy. And so the, the community hated the church because of that. And there was just a lot of things going on. And the church is, the church is on fire. Man, they are literally sold out for Jesus. And, and so there was this, this church in the middle of a culture that wanted nothing to do with them. And there were two groups of people in this church. There was a group of people who were just kind of getting fam- uh, comfortable with the culture, saying, you know what, we're not going to make any waves, we're just going to come to church, and we're going to do our thing, and then go back home, we're not going to bother anybody. And then there was a group of people in that church who were excited for Jesus, and they were saying, you know what, we're going to go change the culture, we're going to take this message out to society, we are going to do that. And so there was a group of people who were excited, and there were a group of people who had got comfortable uh, where they were, and then Paul comes into this whole situation, and he tries to set them straight the church's issue that paul addresses in this letter is when he he's he's telling them even though in this godless society this anti-church society as a church paul is saying you don't have any other option but to maintain the course you don't have any other job option but to keep going the direction you're going church um that church in ephesus they weren't operating in their daily lives like a person who had made a choice to radically trust jesus for salvation they were not acting like Christians. And so what Paul is doing them is he's encouraging them to keep a Christian worldview even in a culture that was totally against them. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 8. Paul says, you, church, you Christian, you used to go down to the temple of Artemis. You used to make your money doing weird stuff. You, you, you used to walk just like them people that are mad at you. You used to be just like those people that want nothing to do with you now. You used to live like those people who hate you now. So he says, for you were once, for you were once in darkness. But now, man, that ain't that way for you. Now you walk in the light of the Lord. You've been saved. Live as saved people. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and consists in righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. I've got a question for you. How do you find out what pleases the Lord? Question, church? How do you find out what pleases the Lord? Read the Bible. Going to church. Been plugged into the community of faith. It's not a secret. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light, it becomes visible. comes out in the open. For it is light that makes everything visible. That's why, it's, that's why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and, the, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live your life. Be careful what you do. Be careful with your words. Be careful how you live. Don't live as the unwise, but live as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, church, wake up. I know that culture hates you. I know the world hates you. I know they despise you, but you need to wake up. You need to wake up and wake up from your slumber because you have been sent into this culture like an arrow shot from the bow of God. Wake up and get going. Stop wasting time. Be careful. Don't get wrapped up in the social drama. Don't get wrapped up in the world's business. You're different. Don't live as the unwise, but live as the wise. Church, he's talking to new Christians. Paul's talking to a church, a new church, a church plant with people who've just started to walk in their faith. He's given, them dis- he's given them discipleship. He's helping them to grow. I don't know how long you've been walking with the Lord, but those words that Paul told them are for you and me too. 
to live as children of light. Y'all, Paul explains the process. He says, wake up, don't slumber. He actually gives us the process of what waking up looks like. He actually tells us what a person who is awake looks like. And he does that by comparing something. It's a unique comparison. He compares the, the influence of the Holy Spirit over a Christian's life to what wine has over the drunk's life, the influence, that a, uh, the influence that alcohol has over a person. And this is what he says. Ephesians 5, verse 17 through 18. Therefore, and by the way, we just stopped reading at verse 16. This is the very next verse. I'm not trying to pull a fast one on you. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, sin, bad decisions. Don't get drunk on wine, but instead... Be filled or get drunk on the Spirit. Be full or be filled with Him. In Paul's days, just like our days, people drank. And drinking was a popular thing to do. So he knew that the new Christian of Ephes- at Ephesus, he knew that this new Christian, they knew all about drinking. It was in their culture. It was in their background. This wasn't something that was foreign or new to them. They had a base understanding of what the Apostle Paul was talking about. And what he does is that Paul compares the believer's relationship to the Holy Spirit being like the relationship between a drunk and alcohol. I'm going to show you a quick short because I want you to see how how alcohol metabolizes and how uh, our body uh, processes alcohol. Real quick, if you would show that short for me. It's only a minute long. You won't necessarily feel alcohol's impact on your body right away, but it starts from the moment you take your first sip. If you drink, you've probably had some experience with alcohol's effects, from the warm buzz that kicks in quickly to the not-so-pleasant wine headache. Since those effects don't last long, you might not worry much about them, especially if you don't drink often. Short-term effects of alcohol, temporary effects you might notice while drinking alcohol, or shortly after, can include, feelings of relaxation or drowsiness, a sense of euphoria or giddiness, changes in mood, changes in hearing, vision, and perception, loss of coordination, trouble focusing or making decisions. Some long-term effects of frequently drinking alcohol can include, persistent changes in mood, including anxiety and irritability, insomnia and other sleep concerns, a weakened immune system, meaning you might get sick more often, changes in libido and sexual function, changes in appetite and weight. When a person is drunk with wine, you can tell that they're under the influence of alcohol. You can tell by the way they talk. You can tell by some of the decisions they make. You can tell by the way they uh, handle themselves, the choices they make. Uh, You know they're drunk because the way they act, they're acting outside of a normal way of behaving. It's not typical for them. They're they're acting odd. It's, It's peculiar. Now, what the alcohol is doing is when the alcohol is consumed, it begins to shape the way the body moves. It begins to determine and affect how the body moves. It begins to exert its influence over your mind and your body. And when the alcohol begins to take that influence, it takes over the entire thing and and people can tell if that person has been drinking or not. I mean, when the police officer pulls you over and they have you walk the line, they can tell whether you've been under the influence by whether you're staggering and stumbling or whether you're walking that straight line. He can smell it on you. Now, when the officer does that, he's looking for these markers that show that you're under the influence of alcohol or the control of alcohol, or maybe you're buzzed by the way you walk and the way you talk and the behavior that you have. Now, I know lots of people. Man, I, 
pastor deacons, uh, they would have a beer or a glass of wine with their meal. And it was just one glass of wine or one beer or whatever, you know. And, you know, you can sit with your meal, and I've seen people sip a glass of wine, just sip one glass of wine during the entire meal. When they get up, they're stone cold sober, no problem. I, I know people who have a sip of wine on their anniversary. I ain't judging them people. This is my point. They sip on that wine or they'll sip on that natty light all night long. And it has no effect on them because of the duration and over the time they just haven't drank that much. Sipping on a glass of wine over a meal isn't going to impact you much, if any. All right, get ready. I wonder how many of us take little sips of the Holy Ghost on Sunday and we wonder why we're still not lit up on Thursday with, with that little sip we had today. Oh, I went to church. How come I don't feel good? How come I don't feel the presence of God? How come I don't feel His anointing? How come I don't feel His help or His comfort? You've been sipping. When the Lord's been telling you, open bar. He's telling us to be filled with the Spirit. Church, when you're filled with something, it tends to have control over you. When you're filled with something, it tends to lead you. When you're filled with something, it tends to exert influence over you. Like Luke puts it in Luke 4, 1. Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. He went back, to, uh, he went back into the Jordan. Uh, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan River, and the Spirit did what to Jesus? The Spirit did what to Jesus? The only, way, the only way that the Spirit could lead Jesus, secondly, is that Jesus had to be filled first. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can be led by the Holy Spirit because you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The reason why Jesus could be led by the Spirit is because He was filled. Jesus was overwhelmed, covered, surrounded by the Holy Spirit to the point where the Spirit led Him. It influenced His path, His journey, His walk, His talk, His decisions, and His actions. When Jesus was led by the Spirit, it means that the Spirit was influencing. When Jesus was led by the Spirit, it meant the Holy Spirit was directing Him. When Jesus was filled with the Spirit, it means that the Holy Spirit was directing His actions and His responses. In that desert, when the Holy Spirit led Jesus out there, that's when the devil came and gave Him three different temptations. And because Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, when the devil came knocking, Jesus had the words every time to respond. When you're led by the Spirit, He influences your, your heart, your life, and what you speak. Jesus went out into the desert, chuck full of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was in control. Church, you remember when you were filled with something, and whatever you're filled with tends to exert its control and influence over you. You remember last year when we watched uh, uh, Prince of Bel-Air get up and slap Chris Rock in the face? What was happening there with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? He, he was so angry and he was so mad. He was so full of rage. And his rage influenced. His rage uh, sent him into an attack. His rage is what he was filled with. You ever been filled with anger or anything and you've done something stupid? That's what it means to be under the influence. You ever had too many Hennessy's or too many Natty Lights and made some bad, stupid decisions? Those things influenced us, brought us underneath their control, and had their way in our life. 
You see, whatever we're filled with has a tendency to control us. Here's another illustration. Oh man, I can't eat another thing. My stomach won't let me. Now what we're saying with there is, my stomach is in control and my stomach will not let me have another bite. If I eat anything more, there must be more room for it to settle in there. So, when I say I can't eat another bite because my stomach won't let me, I'm saying I'm full and that is influencing me. Church, the Holy Spirit wants to fill us. He wants to influence our lives in a similar manner that wine influences people. He wants to control you, lead you, comfort you, help you, power, overpower your heart, your mind, your soul, your body. He wants to not bring about destruction. He doesn't want to uh, bring about bad decisions and choices. What happens to us when we're filled with wine? He's saying, no, what I want you to do is I want you to be filled with the wine of the Holy Ghost. And instead of sin and debauchery and, and death, let me bring hope, peace, life, and joy and gentleness and kindness into your life. You have to decide what you want to be filled with. And whatever fills you, influences you. He wants to bring about good in your life. Church, the Spirit's available to you to such an extent that the Holy Spirit does want to influence your steps, how you walk, how you talk, the decisions you make, the choices you undertake. That's the influence that the Holy Spirit wants to have in, in your life. And the Holy Spirit... Is for all of us. Church, you might be sitting here thinking, well, preach, I, I've been saved. Don't I have the Holy Spirit? Preach, I got saved. Man, I've been baptized. Don't I have the Holy Spirit? Yes, you do. You do. But I want you to know you've got, a, you've got just enough of the Holy Spirit to be saved. But I love you enough to tell you this. There is more of the Holy Spirit to be had. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there is more of me that the Holy Spirit can't have. Because I've not given all of me up. I'm talking about the next step after salvation. I'm talking about how you lived your life post-Calvary. I'm talking about how you interact in this world that doesn't like you, that doesn't like your God, that hates your Bible, that hates the view of the principles and the truth of your God. They can't stand you. So what do we do? We wake up. We wake up. And knowing that the time is short, and knowing that we better not go out there sober, we better go out there full of the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't, we don't have a chance. When God's Word tells us, don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, oh, listen. To he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is being filled with the Holy Spirit optional? No. Oh, this is crazy. He doesn't say if you want to, get filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, go up. Open bar. Be filled, church, with the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't want the Holy Spirit because I don't want to talk in tongues. I don't want to roll down the floor. I don't want to handle snakes. We ain't going to handle snakes up in here. Uh, I, I don't want none of that. Well, okay. We won't make you handle snakes on your first visit. But let me tell you something. It's not just the Charismatics and Pentecostals that have the Holy Spirit cornered. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you, Baptist. He wants to fill you from the inside out. That Ephesians passage was written to you and me too. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Here's the amazing thing. People scared about what the Holy Ghost is going to do. Man, I'd be scared. I'd be more scared about my life without the power of the Holy Ghost in it. Church. 
so many of so many of us have made going after the Holy Spirit optional, and the Holy Spirit has never been optional. We've always been told to pursue Him. We've always been told to go after Him. Filled has at least three insights. I'm almost done. Filled has at least three insights. There's a plural uh, aspect to it. There's a passive aspect to it. And there's a perpetual aspect to it. Here's the plural. Jesus is saying, uh, uh, the Word of God is saying, y'all be filled with the Holy Spirit. Linda, being filled with the Holy Spirit is for you. Kendra, Holy Spirit is for you. Sue, Holy Spirit is for you. Jared, Holy Spirit is for you. Church, it's not just for preachers and, char and charismatics that have access to the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us born-again believers, we can step into the same feeling as everybody else. It's not a special secret door. You go in through it. Man, it is plural. It's for all of us. It's also passive. People will say, well, man, I've done everything I can to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I've never spoken tongues, or I've never done this, or I've never done that. Uh, and, and so many people, they want the Holy Spirit to move in their life, and they think that they just got to sit there, and God's going to do all the moving, and God's going to do all the shaking, you know, things like that. But church, listen to me. If you're trying to do things to get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're probably coming up empty because you can't fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spirit fills you i remember when i was pursuing a prayer language i was thinking that man it would just be shot down for me from heaven and i couldn't help it but you know what you have to release the tongue in order to receive it you've got to release it you see there is a passive part to it but you have to open it up and let god move there's a perpetual part to it he said be filled with the holy spirit but what he's really saying is be filled today and then tomorrow get filled again and tomorrow get filled again and the next day get filled again you know why you ever fill up your car with gas you know, you start running that gas, you just put your tank, you start making room for more gas the moment you pull away from pump three. Because the moment you start moving, you start, uh, you start using that fuel that's in your tank, and a week later, you've got to go back to the filling station to get more fuel in your tank. Church, you come to church on Sunday morning or Saturday night, you get a good dose of the Holy Ghost, but through the week, man, you need a fresh filling today. And you're going to need a fresh filling tomorrow. And you're going to need a fresh filling for Tuesday. And you're going to need a fresh filling for Wednesday. Because every day requires its own filling of the Holy Spirit. You know why? It ain't because He's leaking. It ain't because He's leaving. It's because I leak. It's because I sin. It's because I mess up. It ain't on Him. It's on me. But here's the thing. He said, oh, you need some more? Let me give it to you. And it's not $4 a gallon. We must make a choice to keep allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us, to influence everything about our lives. Connect group on Wednesday nights. We're gonna, on Wednesday night, we're going to look at three steps you can take to being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm out of time for this sermon, but I'm going to look at those three steps. If you're wondering what they were, I will tell you. Make space for Him by getting rid of sin. Number two, prioritize God's Word daily. Number three, prioritize worship daily. I'm going to unpack those Wednesday. I'm just giving them to you now. Y'all, the Holy Spirit wants to bring you under the influence of Him. Holy Spirit wants to influence everything about you, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way that wine influences a drunk. For some of us, that's a weird, different thought. We've never thought about it like that. But I have showed you the text. I have showed you the text. I grew up in a very, very fundamentalist, conservative place. Back when I was a kid, it was always, you know, do you drink, not drink. 
dance, don't dance. But I remember the big deal at our church growing up is there was some people there that social drink, drunk. They would drink in public. But they were those people who would sip a glass of wine all night long, you know, that one glass. Those social drinkers, they, they drank because they wanted to be accepted into the clientele. They sip that glass of wine or they nurse that beer the whole night because they don't want to lose control. They want to be in complete control of their faculties. They don't want to say anything wrong. They're just going to be a social drinker. I'll take a sip every now and then because I want to make sure that I'm straight. You don't get drunk. You don't get drunk by looking at a bottle of wine. You don't get drunk by bragging about how pretty the label is. You can know everything there is to know about wine. What kind of grapes make the best Chardonnay? Which grapes make the best white wine? Which It's about the extent of my wine knowledge there, guys. I'm sorry. Which boxes are nice? I don't know. But you can know all there is to know about wine. Grapes, whether it's from northern Italy, southern Italy, California. You can know everything there is to know about the distilling process and making wine and educated about wine. You're gonna, you can know everything it is. You've read about it. You can sing about wine and go to wine conventions. But church, until you drink the wine, you will never know the effect of the wine. You can come to church, hear every cotton-picking sermon I've ever preached, or any sermon any preacher's ever preached. You can know everything there is to know about the Bible backwards and forwards. You can know everything there is. You can sing about God. Listen to me. But until you get filled with Him, you don't know what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can know all that stuff and have all the intellectual knowledge, but until you consume Him and let Him influence your walk, your talk, your decisions, your words, your actions, your thinking... You're not filled. Because, man, if you're filled, people will look at you and say, man, what's wrong with that guy? They can tell you're different by the way you walk. They can tell you're different by the way the things you say and your, your attitude and, and your beauty and your forgiveness and your love. Man, they can tell you're under the influence. And if they can't, man, then you know what you need to do with the invitation, right? Right? You know what you need to do now. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If Tub would come up, I'd appreciate it. Church, if you would, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, could I just ask you to stand to your feet while I'm doing that? As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Man, today, maybe you've got enough of the Holy Spirit to get saved. You're on your way to heaven. Salvation belongs to you, but you don't know what it means to live in victory and power. You don't know what it means to live with that anointing of the, the wine of the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't know what it means to live with the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life because you're so determined. to. You are in control. You call the shots. You make the agenda. You make the plans. But man, today you found out you sure, you're, we're not filled with ourselves. We're filled with Him. And you know, one of the first things you can start doing is this. You know, the Bible says, even though you're bad, you know how to give good things to your kids. How much more your Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. 
Y'all, some of you can, can just start by letting God know, I want, Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be filled with the wine of the Holy Ghost. Y'all, that's a great place for some of you to start, just simply by asking. Y'all at the front this morning, there's communion provided. There's the, the bread and the wine. We want to give you an opportunity this morning to, to come forward to pray, to make some things right with God, surrender to Him, ask Him for fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. But then I thought it was important to give you a practical application because you see in that cup, that wine represents the blood of Jesus, but in Scripture, wine also represents the Holy Ghost. I think it's so cool that as we talk about wine today, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus living inside you. So what a great way to worship and extend that, that praise to Him just by taking communion this morning. So y'all, I want to pray, then I want to open up this invitation for you. You can either come to pray and take communion, or you can come and take communion, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. I, this invitation belongs to you and Him. And I pray that you two work things out this morning. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would just enter this room, that you would fill our hearts, encourage us, draw us to you, Lord God. And it's in Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. And amen. Thank you.